Hey, brewery lovers. Welcome back to another episode of The Brew Daddies. Richard here. Uh, We're doing a weekday recording, so Adam could not join me. But I am here today with Greg Parnas and Wes Hogan-Togler. Very good. Excellent. Got that right. Uh, And they are here representing Marylanders for Better Beer and Wine Laws, uh, which is a group that's been around for a while in Maryland and works to change the state's regulations and laws as they relate to beer and wine. Obviously, this is the Brew Daddies, so we're here to talk specifically about laws in Maryland related to beer and brewing. Uh, So Greg Parnas is the legislative counsel for MBBWL, and he's a local brewery and uh, alcoholic beverage lawyer. Yep. And Wes Hogan-Togler is uh, the president of Greater Olney Brew Club Go Brew. Thank you both for joining uh, me today to talk about uh, this very important issue uh, to everybody who cares about craft beer in the state of Maryland. So uh, first of all, how did you guys get involved in this group? Craig, start us off. How did you get involved in this? Uh, Okay. So I've been working in kind of the alcohol beverage uh, law space for about three years now, Uh, mostly breweries in Maryland, a little little bit throughout the DMV. Um, and I'm also an avid home brewer myself. So back in, I guess, the fall, late summer, I was talking to a couple of people that I know at a homebrew club um, that are that are part of some clubs in Maryland, and they were sort of complaining about the situation. They'd been following what what went on in Annapolis the past couple of years, and they were just kind of frustrated, and they were like, well, you know, you work in this area in terms of, like, you know, being an attorney – what are things that we can do? You know, who are people that we should reach out to? You know, we, we want to try to help to, to resolve this. So that gave me the idea to work with uh, this guy, Gary Sharp, who's the president of Burp. I think he's the president of, uh, what is it, Badass, Badass Brew, Brew Club. Yeah, yeah, Badass Brew Club. Sorry right. about that. <laughs> um, sorry about that, Gary, if you're listening. <laughs> Uh, and so through him, we kind of reached out to a bunch of the other clubs in Maryland. And then I got uh, in touch with uh, Adam Borden, who's the president and founder of Marylanders for Better Beer and Wine Laws. And we kind of merged the effort that was starting to get organized among the homebrew clubs in Maryland with the existing organization of MBBWL. And that's kind of how I got involved. Um, and then because I already had a pretty firm grasp of the existing laws and regulations um, and kind of how some of the legislative process was working, I volunteered on a pro bono basis to be the legislative council. Wes, what about you? And I've been brewing beer for like 14 years and I wasn't really following the laws very much until Guinness decided to put their roots into Baltimore and I wasn't really following a lot of things. But once I started seeing those those legislative pieces and parts coming out of what they were trying to implement in, into the craft brewery industry, I was like, wait a minute, what's going on? And right. so I, I've heard about these these groups coming up, BAM and the MBBWL, and I was like, i, I got to get involved in that because there's got to be something that we can do to, to fix these things. So, Yeah, well, let's talk about the things to fix a little bit. Like, So what are, the, what are some of the big problems that MBBWL uh, – sees in terms of of the way Maryland regulates uh, breweries and and craft beer generally that, that you think need to be overcome? Right. So 
there's the consumer side of it and then the brewer side of it. Um, mm-hmm. So because we're we're more focused on the consumer side of it, I think those are the issues that we're more involved with. Um, one of the things that I, I guess, would touch upon is uh, about a couple of years ago when the bill passed to let uh, Diageo, which is the company that owns Guinness, uh, open up their facility or, I guess, revamp their facility in Halethorpe. Um, along with that were some measures that were passed to limit the hours of what are known as class five production breweries in the state. Um, so before their hours would be determined by the local county licensing officials, um, but this passed a statewide law to kind of set hard limits as to when they could have events or otherwise be open. Let me ask a quick question about that. So did did Maryland change laws to benefit Guinness uh, when they wanted to come in, or did the fact that Guinness was coming in get the state legislature to sort of say, "Oh, we've got to deal with this"? And 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 did they put some limits in because of the kind of uh, facility that Guinness was was wanted to put in Hellthorpe? Both. Interesting. So, so basically, um, that year, and this is 2017. Uh, what happened is you kind of had three bills, um, and I'm. I forget all the HB numbers, so you'll sure, have to bear with that. me. You had something that the Brewer Association of Maryland was passing called the Craft Beer Modernization Act, where they were going to create yet another class of brewery called a Class 10. And the premise, the purpose of that was just to kind of create a, a slate of changes uh, that would allow craft breweries to more easily operate. And the underlying presumption was that a lot of existing craft brewers would just shift over their licensing. Because um, that was determined to be easier than just entirely rewriting the law and getting rid of a bunch of classes of breweries, of which mm-hmm. there are four now. Um, <laughs> there was this other bill to bring Guinness in to Baltimore County um, because based on the size of the facility that Guinness had, they wanted changes to the limitations on taproom sales and certain other things, uh, certain other changes they could more easily bring in product that wasn't brewed on premises, but brewed at other um, Giaggio facilities right. uh, in you know Canada or, or wherever else. Uh, and so they introduced this bill. I believe it was HB 1310. Uh, and then lastly was this kind of just what we'll call the restrictions bill, which was being introduced uh, by, and passed by the the Wholesaler Association and the Maryland State Beverage License Association represents bars, restaurants, and liquor stores. Um, and that bill just had a bunch of restrictions. And it only had one sponsor, um, but that sponsor was the majority whip of the House of Delegates, yeah, Delegate that's Branch. that's all it takes. <laughs> um, so it wasn't being monitored because it was the only one of those three bills that didn't have a Senate accompaniment and didn't have a bunch of co-sponsors. So it was kind of flying under under the radar, so to speak, mm. until literally in the last three days of the session that would have allowed that bill to pass, um, or two days, something like that, before it had to go over to the Senate for them to consider it, all of a sudden, all the legislative steps happened right away. Wow. And what wound up happening is that the bill to make changes to bring in Giagio was merged with the restriction bill, uh, known as HB 1283. And it was in that measure that you had all these changes that harmed um, a lot of craft breweries in the state. Well, talk to us a little bit about those changes. Like, what are the what are the sort of top three to five 
right. you know, things that, that are that are that are restrictive. So, do you mean in the original House version, or after the brouhaha happened and the Senate amended it? I mean it? today. Today, like, let's let's okay. focus on today. Right. So there were some pos- To be fair, there were some positives and some negatives. So the two big negatives were um, changing the hours to be under state state mandate, basically. So local uh, jurisdictions no longer have the ability to regulate the hours that a tap room can be open, right? Yeah. Well, it's, they can't. They can. Uh, they basically set a maximum. They can minimize them. So currently, it's ten a.m. Uh, to ten p.m. are the hours, the maximum hours. The maximum hours that a tap room can, can be open. Yes, for a class five brewery. Okay. Um, local licensing boards uh, still retain the ability to narrow that window. Um, but they can't expand it, right? Okay. So let's say you know you you're a brewery and you want to have a concert, you know, or a comedy night or whatever. Everybody has to be out the door by by ten. Yeah, you can't stay open till eleven for a live music show or yeah, yeah. Like, to the extent that you had the the live music, uh, per, you had the permit for for playing right, live right. music. Yeah, um, yeah. So that was something that was a problem. I think that the other thing that happened that was really major is under the previous law, anytime you have a class five production brewery, and to give people an idea of what we're talking about, that's bigger places like Union Craft or Heavy Seas, but also because of some minutia, smaller places like Black Flag or Sapwood Cellars as well, hmm. um, is that it basically allowed, under the previous law, they were guaranteed a right to have a tap room. And under HB 1283, that automatic right to have a tap room went away. Oh, okay. And it, it authorized counties to deny them the right to, to operate a tap room. Hmm. Where, yeah, so basically under the previous law, the, the you know, if you were a class library, the county had to give you what was known as a class D retail licensee, which is just the, the permission to run a tap room. Um, and now they don't. They can deny you that. And it's... It creates a lot of problems because by the time you're in the regulatory step to apply for your retail license to operate the tap room, you've already committed to a commercial lease. Right. And you've already filed your federal permitting and you've already filed your state manufacturer's licensing. Um, so, you know, even if you, whatever, talk to people beforehand and you get certain assurances, that vote of that local, you know, that county licensing commission doesn't happen until you have so many sunk costs and you're so far along in the process. So just create a lot of uncertainty for new breweries opening in the state. Interesting. And and this, I don't understand all the classes and I don't think that the listeners need to understand all that as well, but this affects tap rooms for for production breweries. Um, How does this affect like brew pubs? So it doesn't. Um, okay, so yeah, that's so, a different so, class. Yeah, so that's a different class. I mean, w- prior to this, I was actually looking it up. There's basically only one remaining active license for a brew pub in the entire state of Maryland, and it's some like random place in Baltimore that I've never heard of. Wow! And they do they don't even have like a like a doing business as name, so like a trade name. Hmm. So I don't even know okay. what the trade name is. What about what about farm breweries? Uh, different class. Uh, yes, that's a separate class. Yes. Okay, but their tap room rules in well, terms of hours are still covered. So their tap their tap room hour rules were uh, determined under the previous legislation that authorized farm breweries. Okay, and they have their own restrictions and interesting set of, of things they can and can't do. Okay, well, hold that. Yeah, and we'll get back to talking about those things. But Wes, why don't you talk to us a little bit about the consumer side of this? 
Right. So, so as a consumer in Maryland, it's it's um, and I have a weird kind of take on everything because I'm in Montgomery County because Montgomery County has even more bizarre laws. Right. So. Right. Um, as far as when I started looking at the legislation, all the things that were happening, I saw that wine was able to be delivered to people's homes and things like that. And I was like, oh, great. So beer should be right along that, right? I mean, right. you would think beer, wine, they're about the same alcohol levels and they could be, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and why can't I get beer delivered to my house? So can't, you can't, can't so sign up for a beer of the month club. Exactly. And, in Maryland, you can't you can't sign up for a beer of the month yeah. club or any of these folks who'll send you great beer from around the country and exactly. have it delivered to your house. Mm-hmm. Okay. What else, consumer wise? Um, well, being able to buy a certain amount of beer at a certain brewery, like if, if I had a buddy of mine in North Carolina that I wanted to give him some trade for beer. Mm-hmm. Out of our state into their state for beers that they had in their state, I could only buy a certain amount at a time, which is very limiting because if I want to get a case of beer and he wants to get a case of beer, I can only buy one case of beer, right? I so let me make sure I understand this this piece. So so the, the way the law is now, you can you can't buy more than a case of packaged beer. Depending on the class of brewery. This is complicated. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. So, if I, but if I walk into a brewery, let's say Denizens, for the sake of discussion, yeah, there's no restriction because they're a class seven. This so, so, very, so the, 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 to make wow. things to make things easier <laughs> for people outside of Montgomery County, and we don't need to get into why, most craft breweries are class fives um, because if they're a cl- if they're like a what's what's called a class seven, which is the microbrewery license. Um, they have to operate a restaurant in most counties outside of Montgomery. And they don't want to do that because if you're a brewer, you want to make good beer. Right, right, right. Yeah, and, most of the folks we've talked to on the show like don't have any interest. Uh, they, they want to make great beer. Running a restaurant is a whole different business yeah, and model. It, and it's very hard. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and it creates complications. Yeah, I mean most brewers want to make good beer and they want to be able to basically be able to provide the opportunity – for other small businesses to come by with their food trucks and for people to patron those, which sure. is the basic business model of most breweries around the state. Right. So for for a certain size of, of a brewery, you are limited to one case, right? Per Yeah, per customer, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. basically. And that's, that's total. So it's not like per brand. It's that in total to go, you know, that day they can only sell you a case, 288 ounces. Right. Okay. Unless, we were talking about this the other day, unless you want to buy a keg. So, again, that's only for <laughs> Class 7. So, this Class 7 crazy. breweries don't have restrictions um, on on the volume. Neither do farm breweries uh, either, right? They don't have, they don't have a wow. restriction. But the, the thing is, is it's kind of weird because – the presumption of Maryland is that if you're not explicitly authorized to do something, you're prohibited from doing it. I see. So there's nothing in the legislation that's that says like package product only. Mm. But it just says, it's just volume based. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but when it comes to the places that don't have a volume restriction, like the the farm breweries and the what are the breweries that are licensed as microbreweries, um, they. They may be able to sell you like a six dollar or something along those lines, but because it's not explicitly authorized, 
it, there's risk involved. There, there's it, risk. Yeah. Right, right. Right. So okay, this is this is complicated. Yeah. And uh, I for, didn't mean to get this far into the weeds. Yeah. But, I, I, but, and I, I I dragged you there. Yeah. Well, it's just it's hard because in Maryland, you know, there's these basically all these things were passed one after the other without any attempt to sort of reconcile the law and simplify it. Right. So it's hard to start any discussion without quickly getting into the like four exemptions, three restrictions, right. and then random magical elf on the corner who's so, hanging uh, out. <laughs> so how many uh, – I'm going to ask one more question about this to try to get my head around it. How many different classes of breweries are there in Maryland? Four. There are four, but some of them are class seven. <laughs> so there's a so so, it's, it's, so the, the number starts with think of it like the original Star Wars trilogy. Right. The numbers start at five. <laughs> okay, because uh, no, classes one through four are related to like wholesale licensees. Okay, yeah. All right, got it. Wow. Okay, so let's get out of the weeds for a minute, uh, <laughs> sure. and hopefully yeah. for the rest of the show. And for those of you listeners in D.C. and Virginia, you got your own problems, but Maryland is completely effed. <laughs> there's only two classes of breweries in Virginia. Yeah, like it's, that's it. It's there's there everybody everybody has challenges, and and because the industry is growing so quickly, I think all over the country there's a lot of like how do we deal with this? And and I have friends all you know in different states who there there's all kinds of things, but Maryland is effed. Like it's just a cluster in terms. <laughs> One of the reasons I got involved in this, yeah, in, 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 in how this works. So, so let's stop talking about the problems a little bit. And uh, I got one more thing. Yeah, yeah just yeah. an anecdote. If, if you yeah. guys want to put it in or not, no, dive in. Um, we were all at Brookville the other day, right? Right. And um, I don't know if you noticed the cases of beer they had along the wall in their coolers. I did. I bought some. So they they have signs there that say. None of this beer can be consumed on premise. Correct. Right. So if they have beers that they've canned, no longer have in the tap room, you can't enjoy that beer while you sit there in their tap room and so, talk to the so brewer. Let, about let's it, be. Right? Let's, let's clarify that. I want to make sure everybody understands what you're saying. If there is, there was something that they didn't have on tap, like that. That well, I was there with my wife and and met you guys there and. We both zeroed in on a particular brew that we were like, yeah, I'll have some of that. And the answer was, oh, sorry, we're out. But it was in cans five feet away from me. But I couldn't purchase those cans and consume that beer. On premise. On premises. That is correct. That seems a little strange too. But let's focus on some solutions. So what is our Marylanders for better beer and wine laws like focused on? Because obviously there's too much to go out and like fix tomorrow. Like you got you got to have a target. You got to have some targets, right? Right. So uh, like I said, we, we are currently focused on more consumer driven things. And that's the general focus of the organization. Uh, we have five agenda items that we're kind of outlined for 2019. Um, Wes, do you want to go through them or should I? Go ahead. Okay. Uh, the first is to end the limits on both the total amount of beer that a taproom can sell because there's restrictions, both class five and class sevens, on the total amount they can sell in their taprooms. Wait. I want to I dig down. Uh, here we go. Getting a little weedy. But, but which th- there are limits on the total amount, not per consumer, but yes. the total amount. So if... And this is five and seven, so let's use denizens as an example. Denizens yes. as an example, right? There is a point 
and I'm not suggesting Dennis's is going to get there, but there was a point where if they sold enough beer, they would have to shut their doors because they'd hit a limit. Yes. So uh, Dennis's, uh, and so you can have two locations if you're uh, if your class has a microbrewery, right. and they're about to open a second one. Sure, in Riverdale, Riverdale, right? right. Um, between them, they're only allowed to sell a total of four thousand barrels a year at, out of the tap room. That's a lot. I'm not going to pretend that it's not. Um, the big fight for Guinness was their ability to sell two thousand barrels. Wow! So, you know, this is per location the same amount. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, it, you know, there's a there's a hard limit, and every other and any other brewery in the state that's classed as a class five, they're limited at two thousand barrels. Okay. Per year, and it's kind of absurd because what they're basically saying is, you are limited in how much consumer demand you can meet. Right. Yeah, but, it's not if consumers are coming in. If your tap room is full every day, and and people love your beer so much that you're packed. I mean, think about like having a great restaurant, right? If you have a great restaurant and there's a six month waiting list to get into your restaurant, there's there are no limits on how many meals you can serve. But if you if you extrapolate that and talk about a a tap room in Maryland, there's actually a limit on how much beer you can sell, even if you take reservations and there's a six month waiting list to get in. At some point you have to stop taking reservations because if you hit that two thousand or four thousand barrel limit, you cannot serve consumers in a tap room anymore. Right. Well, actually, it's real fun. One of the things no. that happened oh, no. after no. G.I. Joe passed. <laughs> oh, no. This is the most absurd one. Well, one of the most absurd ones is if you're like a what's known as a class five production brewery, right, um, you can sell above 2,000, an additional 1,000 barrels of beer. But you have to sell it to a wholesaler first and then buy oh, it back from them. I've heard that before. Yeah yeah, 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 So basically you have to sell your product at a significantly reduced margin, uh, by which I mean five times cheaper than you would make on that amount from mm-hmm. selling it in your tap room, to a wholesaler. Then buy it back from the wholesaler at the same markup they charge every other restaurant in the States. This is for your own beer. And then you're allowed to sell up to 1,000 additional barrels. I'm not even going to – I'm not going to go there. That's that's utterly ridiculous. I think everybody listening would agree that that's ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. It's yeah. not. Yeah, yeah, Um There's – this is this is what happens when you don't have consumers and everyday Marylanders involved in, you know, having a voice in how the state is governed. Yeah. Okay. So, any any other like big consumers? Yes, let's yes, let's yes. talk about a few more of those, and then we'll talk about getting folks involved. Right. So, uh, yeah. So, ending the limit on uh, the total amount a tavern can sell, um, ending the limit on the amount that a customer can buy from them to go, which we mentioned before. Um, then there's the uh, rolling back of the changes to sort of expand taproom hours. Right. Uh, right. We're gonna. Amend the law so that the ability to directly ship wine to your home from a, from a winery will also include breweries. Great. Uh, so that's that's the third one. Then uh, we're going to uh, change the law. So right now you have BYOB for wine. Explain but, what that means. Uh, so a plate, I mean, because BYOB is yeah. So bring your own beverage is what BYOB means. Sure. It, it's the ability to bring your own bottle of wine to a restaurant, and they'll charge you a fee if they want to to open it. Um, mm-hmm. And this was one of the big things that Marylanders for better beer and wine laws managed to get passed in the earlier part of the decade in 2012. So okay. 2011 was direct shipment of wine. 
Okay. Uh, and then 2012 was amending the law to allow BYOB for wine, which was a, a big fight. And, you <laughs> know, at one point we'll get Adam Borden on here, who's the president, and he'll fill you in on more details about it. Okay. <laughs> it was ridiculously hard to get that passed. Um, so we're going to basically amend it to do direct shipment for beer as well, amend it so that you can do BYOB for beer as well in addition to wine. And then the fifth thing that we're going to do is there's still about seven or eight counties around the state that don't allow Sunday sales. And the thing is, is that for most changes in, in how a county regulates its alcohol retailers, they have to pass a statewide law through Annapolis. They can't just do it by county vote. So county, in the state of Maryland, if a county d- d- does not allow Sunday sales, mm-hmm. which is their prerogative, yes. um, and we're not trying to change, we're not trying to force anybody to do that, but if, if a county decided that they did want to uh, ex- allow sales of alcohol on, a, on Sundays, they wanted to change their county rules um, in some way related to Sunday sales, the state legislature has to pass a law stating that a particular county can now sell beer on Sunday if the, they currently don't. Yeah, so let's say, you know, uh, if, uh, off the top of my head, I just figured out what one of the counties is. If they wanted, if they decided we're going to allow Sunday sales of alcohol, right. um, they couldn't just take a county vote. They have to go to Annapolis, pass what sounds a local bill. The entirety, it has to get approved by the the committees of jurisdiction mm-hmm. and then the entirety of the of the lower chamber of the, the, the House of Delegates and the entirety of the state senate has to vote on it, approve it. It then needs to go to the governor who will authorize it. Theoretically sign the bill, right? Yeah. So that's that has to be the process. We want to change the law to basically allow so that allow it so that if a county does happen to make the determination they want Sunday sales, they can just do it of their own volition, of their own authority as a county. Um, yeah, that seems utterly ridiculous to me that a, that, that a statewide bill, I mean, like any other statewide legislation, right? Right. That, that a county can't take an action related to its own county without the state legislature and the governor approving it. Yeah, and it's especially odd because Generally speaking, um, you know, manufacturing wholesale is regulated at the state level, sure. but at the retail level, it's always not just governed but also enforced by county officials and county, you know, authorities and police. And so it's a little odd that they have to do that. But it's not just that. I mean, there's there's local bills right now, like in uh, Washington and uh, Wicomo County that I'm probably mispronouncing, Wicomico. I'm sorry, um, to you know, there's a, a certain nonprofit that wants to offer a gift basket mm-hmm. um, that ha- includes alcohol in it, and they have to pass a statewide law to allow that nonprofit to offer, you know, a gift basket that includes alcohol. Okay, complex, messed up. Why? Why <laughs> the, the 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 state legislature cares so much about these gift baskets? You know, I mean, it's not they care so much; it's that that's just the the way the the regulatory scheme is set up, right. but you know, as people know, like all these minute changes that in most places are handled by local authorities because they literally are local issues; they don't impact anyone outside that jurisdiction. Sure, um, they still have to go through statewide the statewide legislative process. So, all of this is very complex. Is if you've been listening, if you're still hanging with us on this, I appreciate that. Uh, but it is very complex. I promise you, part of my bad stand-up at the end. If you just like bear <laughs> with us. Um, but uh, so let's 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 What's move the deal? on. <laughs> What's the 
deal. Ever noticed? Oh, no. <laughs> you can't buy two cases of beer. Um, <laughs> so, Wes, tell us a little bit about w- what people can do to uh, to get involved in Marylanders for Better Beer and Wine and to help make some of these changes and get them done. So we've got a couple of different ways to get involved. Um, the first one, probably the easiest for everybody, is a Facebook uh, group that you can sign up for. Uh, the other one will be our webpage that we're revamping right now, and it's the mbbw.org is our website. And you can sign up there. It, sorry, mbbwl.org. Did I say it wrong? Uh, yeah, you left off the L at the end. <laughs> right, and we will put we will put links to all of this. We'll put links to all of this in the show notes. Yeah, and there's and you basically sign up for the newsletter via the website right now while we're uh, updating it. So the other thing would be to um, you know send information and, and requests to and get involved with your legislator and and your your folks in Annapolis and keep an eye on what they're doing. Um, our our main focus on this is to try to make this complex mess legible and and reactionable for anybody concerned about this type of stuff. So this isn't a – like the legislature is currently in session. Um, in case you're listening to this later, we're, we're recording this at the end of January of 2019. Legislature in Maryland meets for just a couple of months every year. Uh, uh, and so they're in session right now, but there's not a lot of legislative action happening at the moment. So there, I mean, there's tons of legislative action happening. related to this. Yeah, but related to alcohol stuff, there there are some local bills. Um, the only statewide change that I'm aware of right now, when, and MBWL, which is say myself, is tracking this on a on a you know every day, every couple of days, I'm tracking to see what bills have been entered. Um, the only statewide bill right now is a bill to decriminalize public intoxication. And make Wait, it s- make it what? So, so right now, public intoxication is a criminal offense. It's a criminal offense. I got yeah. It. Th- th- this bill that was introduced would decriminalize it and make it a civil offense. Okay. Um, and that's the only statewide bill that I've seen when I last checked, and I, I didn't check this morning. So, really, what we're talking about for MBBWL is a long-term strategy here. Yes. Um, multi. It's going to take. It's going to take several years to modify. These laws and and like you said, Wes, the overall big picture is to is to really try to simplify the regulatory uh, environment in which craft breweries and tap rooms operate in the state of Maryland. Yeah, um, that's the general goal. Yeah, uh, basically in 2018 we're kind of in a regrowth mode because uh, Maryland has been wine laws had some success in the earlier part of the decade. Um, their last big push, which unfortunately. Uh, has not been successful yet was to change the law to allow for sale of beer and wine in grocery stores mm-hmm. and chain stores, um, which has been which was denied. And the the current task force on alcohol regulation went a step further to recommend that no county should be allowed to further amend their laws to make that possible. Um, that's a that's a that's a discussion for another time, but that's yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a big issue. Um, yeah, so there, there, so right now in twenty eighteen, we're just kind of in a growth year. Uh, we're just trying to recruit people, get people informed, try to organize some local chapters across the state. Uh, we're doing a number of events across Maryland at breweries. 
We just had one uh, at Brookville on the 20th of mm-hmm. January. Tomorrow, I mean, after this episode airs, unfortunately, uh, we're going to Baltimore County Brewing. Uh, that's in north uh, north of Baltimore in Baltimore County. And then on February 21st, we're meeting at Denizens from 6 to 9 p.m. So come on out, enjoy some great Denizens beer, and find out more about this. Um, I promise you that all this law stuff is much more digestible if you've had a couple. <laughs> Everything is is much more digestible if you've had a couple. Well, listen, uh, Greg Parnas, thank you very much for coming to the Brew Daddies and talking to about us about this. Wes, thank you for coming on, and thank you both for what you're doing. Uh, listeners, if you want to get involved, uh, you can go to mbbwl.org. Uh, you can sign up for the newsletter. We'll keep you informed. They'll keep you informed, I should say, uh, on what's going on. If you're on Facebook, go just do a quick search for Marylanders for Better Beer and Wine Laws. Uh, and, uh, you know, follow that page. Updates get posted uh, about these events that Greg talked about um, at different breweries. These things will continue to, to, to happen. And either one of those ways or both is really the best way to find out what you can do and actions you can take to help influence the state legislature to to simplify the way uh, craft breweries and tap rooms are regulated in the state to make things much better for both the brewers and the consumers of the state. Thank you both. Thank you very much, Richard. My pleasure. Thank you guys for coming on the yeah, show. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Okay. And uh, listeners, we'll keep you updated on all of this stuff as it evolves over time. Uh, stay tuned for future episodes of The Brew Daddies. we got some great conversations with breweries in Virginia, in D.C., and Maryland coming up over the next few months, as well as some interesting interviews with some folks you might not expect.